Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurntOrangeNation.com. Before we jump in today, though, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton of visibility. Share this with your friends, your coworkers, anybody that you know loves Texas Longhorn sports. Subscribe wherever you find us, Google Play, Stitcher, Tune in. We're not on Spotify yet. Still waiting on them to respond. Uh, but we're everywhere else where you can find podcasts. Our podcast host, Podient, is offering a really cool opportunity to all of our listeners who have ever wanted to start their own podcast. They're giving you a 14-day free trial of their premium services and 25% off your first three months of said premium services if you sign up at Podient, P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O using the offer code LONGHORN. Again, that gives you 25% off your first three months of premium. And Kyle and I both really love Podient. It's so easy to use. It's it's kind of like a, uh, they call it a WYSIWYG in the uh, in the programming where what you see is what you get. You, pu- you put it in, uh, your podcast comes up, it kicks it out to the feeds and gives you everything you need to do. So again, if you want to sign up for that, use the offer code LONGHORN at podient.co to get 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I am joined by the illest, the realist, Kentucky's own <laughs> Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you, man? Kentucky Fried Kyle, man. I... Uh... I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, it's been a it's been a very um, I will say delirious week, and I mean that in all the ways. Uh, I think I officially booked about seventy hours and got to go home for about twenty, uh, and then flew right back out. So I am recording this live from Bourbon, USA. But uh, that uh, maybe is the lack of sleep. Maybe it was the uh, Beautiful images I saw coming through either my TV or my phone uh, if I was sitting at the office. But uh, I'm in both ways the word can mean fine spirits. Or maybe it's the three unbuttons you've got going on on that shirt. You guys can't see that on the uh, podcast because there's no video. But Kyle is showing off some uh, some lettuce there, man. And also because this is a PG-13 podcast, and if we had the video, I think it would take NC-17. We would definitely have to put an explicit tag on this. Now, uh, so uh, today we've got a big show for you. So we're going to talk about the, uh, the Texas Super Regional in Austin. Uh, we've got two... Count them two football previews for you. We've got uh, Tulsa and we've got USC. And then we'll obviously close it out with some bang the drum. So let's kick it off with the big, exciting, moderately scary news. So the Texas Longhorns, they gave us a bit of a fright on Saturday night and uh, dropped the opening game to Tennessee Tech in the Super Regional. And then the pitching figured out what it wanted to be when it grew up. And it grew up on Sunday with a 4-2 win. And then on Monday, uh, middle of the day, sapped my productivity at work, uh, coming up with a 5-2 win, advancing to the school's 36th College World Series, heading to Omaha. The next highest number in the NCAA overall is 25. So we are 11 better than everybody else. So Kyle... What what did this weekend do for you, and how excited are you for David Pierce's first trip to Omaha? Oh man, this is like I I don't even know what to say. It's we, we talked about it on this podcast, and I don't know. Sometimes I would listen back and think, "Wow, that's a little bit optimistic, Kyle." But we said all the things the team had done this year that looked good, and if they could put those together, um, this team could be Omaha bound. Um, 
and you know haters Aggies I'm gonna hate uh I've I've seen you know just all kinds of hilarious talk around like well they won the weakest comp they're the weakest conference champions and they they had the you know the the weakest host team out of the whole whole bunch and oh they drew you know uh an unranked team in their second round oh man just the week and, and all this talk has just been it's been fuel for my uh my my chin to chin cheshire grin or uh, ear to ear i guess i only have one chin um but uh <laughs> ear to ear across the chin uh, cheshire grin i should say um because you know people are hating people are angry they're talking noise that means that means Texas is doing something, man. When uh, when Texas ain't getting talked about, it ain't a good sign. Um, so, I mean, it, it feels good. It feels good. We're we're back in uh, in the good places, you know. Heading to Omaha is where Texas baseball belongs. We own that place. That is that is ours. Um, like I, I said on Twitter, you know, there's there's three things, and, and I'll I'll audible for this podcast of four things. Um, that come from Omaha. There's, you know, obviously, um, Trezillionaire Warren Buffett. There are steaks that they sell you door to door. Um, there is Peyton Manning's, uh, audible, um, audible call. And there is Texas baseball. I mean, I think our second most played destination after Austin is probably Omaha. So, um, we're back where we need to be. And this, uh, this team, we can get into some of the specifics on it, but just the sentiment behind it is, this team is is doing all the right things. You have the Augie story. You have the chemistry. You have a superstar. You have pitching. Um, I mean, this has everything. It has all the all the elements, all the intangibles for this to really be something. And you talked about the specifics. I mean, the ability to bounce back from Kingham, for lack of a better term, getting shelled on on Saturday. Like you don't expect to see that guy get beat up and that could really damage a psyche of a team when your ace goes out there the guy who's got 12 starts for you eight win or 12 decisions eight wins for you like when that guy goes four four and two thirds and gives up five earned like seeing that guy just get blasted could do a lot for your um for your opponent's psyche and the fact that you know texas was able to come back and and really keep its head on its shoulders is something that i don't know if we if we looked at the first, I don't know, maybe 18, 20 games of the season, I don't think that team would have been able to rebound. And them being able to rebound on Sunday and Monday is really indicative of, I think, how, how much of a run is actually in this team. Yeah, and, and I think um, I think there was something that happened even within that game. I think Tennessee Tech got up on top of them, and uh, it's a team that just puts points up. I mean, uh, the there's a lot of crazy stats associated with that team, just the amount of runs, the amount of home runs, the amount of offensive production they, they've done. They, they've made you know a, a lot of opposing pitchers uh, feel pretty bad about themselves. But they, they got up, but Texas kind of fought back, like you said. Texas you know, locked down, and from, I don't know, I'd say somewhere around the sixth inning in game one, um, all of a sudden their pitching was, was phenomenal against any team, but especially against this team. I think out of all the statistics, the craziest one is that the lowest – the lowest scoring game that Tennessee Tech has played all year. It's a three-way tie. They did it once in the regular season and twice in this series with two runs. They never scored less than two runs this season. You know, we talked. I talked last time. I'm a late arriver to Texas baseball this season as far as really diving deep on stuff. But, you know, of the, of the three guys that played, Sugar was the most impressive mm-hmm. again this weekend. Six innings, two hits, five strikeouts. Uh, your boy... The Bochi Bomb. Oh baby. Oh, oh baby. I'm like a I'm like a you know, a sixty seven year old Italian man named Massimo. All I wanna do with my life right now is bocce ball, baby. Bochi ball is is I, I mean I am I am I'm not wearing underwear. I'm wearing my legs are kind of shaved weirdly. I'm wearing those real cool old man slip-ons. I have Great calves. Absolutely calves for days. Look like a young Greg Ferrar. I uh, that that was Gerald's high school coach who had calves. That's a deep cut. Calves like a like a Thor would would kill for. But uh, you know that that's what I am. I basically you know I have oh that's why my buttons are down. You know except. Uh, Except this would be tufts of white coming out of here. I am I am an old old man right now who only is slanging the bashis. He came out and I think the thing that was most impressive about his performance is that 
of all of the tape that people were expecting, they were not expecting what he came with today on, you know, Monday on the time of recording the velocity, the, the movement on the ball. I mean, his just, his just ability. He kind of just put it where he wanted to. He, he didn't have a ton of walks. only gave up four hits, struck out three, like, I was joke. I jokingly put out on Twitter about him starting a kind of a tongue in cheek situation. Uh, and then when he takes the hill, I'm like, well, let's see what this turns out to be. And he pitched a gem. Uh, and once he left the, the bullpen, honestly kind of got dinged a little bit. Um, but then again, Kingham came in and closed it for the final two outs, kind of putting a good cap on his, uh, on his weekend, but we can't walk away from this, this super regional without talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Cody Clemens, like what, what the heck? Like what has gotten into this guy? He just continues to just, I guess, live up to the family name as, as far as Texas baseball goes. I mean, at this point, he's clearly the second best Clemens. And, uh, and that's saying something. He's got brothers who've, who've played in, in the in the show at some level, and one one brother who's I think in the just about to get called up or has been called up in the Toronto organization. I mean, obviously his dad, but the guy. I mean, he he might trail Kyle Russell by I think one home run maybe at this point. He's very close um, for the all time Longhorn home run record, and the way he's doing it, the times he's doing it. I mean, this is this is pretty unbelievable stuff. Um, we I've been singing his praises all year. I just kind of didn't know if I really bought into it. I knew he was really, really good. Um, this is another level. Like he's no longer like the best bat on the team. He's the best bat in the country. He's he's a super duper star. He got drafted in the, the third round, um, first pick by the Tigers. And I think if they had to redo the draft right now or if he was playing like this for you know a sustained level uh, this year has been great but for a couple years I, I think he's playing right now even though he's a second baseman which is not the the highest commodity position uh in the big leagues he's playing right now like a top 15 top 10 pick in the country I mean the guy is just he's clutch he's incredible every time Texas needs something he's there uh the guy can't stop homering he goes oppo with it I mean he is He's doing everything. Even his outs are like these laser, you know, ropes that maybe an outfielder just happens to get a get a jump on or he hits it towards someone. But I mean, they're they're he's getting he's seeing the ball looks like a beach ball, getting his hands through, just doing what he wants with it. If I'm an opposing pitcher, man, I am shaking in my cleats. Um, the guy is just. I mean, I think if you if you vote right now, which you can do, you can go vote for the Golden Spikes. He's one of the four finalists. This is your guy. This is the winner. This is the best player in college baseball right now as of uh, 6-11-2018. Cody Clemens is it. Yeah, and I just it's baffling to me that Tennessee Tech continued to pitch to him. Because on Saturday, they walked him three times. The one time they gave him a hittable ball, he put it over the fence. Like, yep. Okay, that's great. And then, so you don't pitch to him then on Sunday, except you do. <laughs> and... He went two for four with a solo home run and an RBI double to kick off the the scoring for the day. And then Monday comes around like there's no way they're going to pitch to him, especially the fact that the three and the five spots for this series were a little bit questionable. You pitch you, you pitch at them and you pitch around, or I guess the the two and the four spots, I should say. Um, he bats third. I'm aware of that. So the two and the four were kind of shaky, and so you know you don't pitch to him except they do and. He puts one over the fence again, and so he finishes the weekend with three home runs and four RBIs. Like the Tennessee Tech coach, like said, like that was my decision. That was a bad decision. Like that is not the smart thing to do. Yeah, and it, like like you said, like I mean, this is a team that that on their end thinks they're going to score runs. They're going to, you know, for them, just they expect to have five to eight runs a game. So maybe in their mind, it's like, well, all right, if Clement dings this up, that just gets our guys going, and you know, it's. It's uh, it's a hitter's day, and, and we get you know any one of our four hitters who has like sixteen plus home runs. Stupid stats that they have. Maybe maybe he just really thinks like you you really want to get in a uh, you know in a in a, a gunfight with us when we we you know come from Tennessee. I don't think there are um, actual laws in that part of Tennessee. You know they're allowed to have whatever weaponry they choose. So um, I, I just assume um, maybe that's what he's thinking. I, I hope other coaches keep trying to challenge him that would make uh the future road seem very much more texas uh, texas favorable yeah so 
the uh, the Super Regionals in Gainesville and Fayetteville are still going on. I say still going on loosely in the case of Fayetteville. Uh, at the time of recording, Arkansas is up double digits on South Carolina in the seventh, so they will probably be advancing unless we have the craziest finish in college baseball history. Florida and Auburn are tied in the eighth, so that may go for a while, but once that shakes out, Texas will know who they've got in the opening bracket of the uh, College World Series in Omaha, but we know that Texas is making a trip to Nebraska. In the first two of our summer previews we're doing on today's episode, first we've got Tyler Gross from Underdog Dynasty. He's going to be covering the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, new to the SB Nation family, so we're glad to have him on. Tyler, thank you so much for taking some time out to, uh, to jump on the pod today. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, boys. I'm excited to talk some uh, Tulsa, Texas action. Let's go. The golden, All right. the golden hurricane. I love it. So let's just let's just pull the bandaid off quick for the for the Tulsa fans that may be listening. Um, the vast majority of their offense came from the running game. A guy like D'Angelo Bruner, who is the pro- probably the greatest running back in school history. Probably safe to say that. Um, easy easy uh, win there for him. So how does Tulsa look to replace a guy who basically owns every running record in, in school history. What is it? What does that look like for them? Yeah. So Brewer, yeah. Finished as the all time leading rusher. Um, and what's kind of cool is he played high school in Tulsa and kind of the two guys that are on the slate to kind of replace him. They're both Tulsa high school kids as well. Um, they're going to kind of start with Shamari Brooks who actually had 10 touchdowns last year. He played in nine games um, he he's kind of the heir apparent. He's who they are really picturing to take that lead dog role. And then um, another kid, Corey Taylor, the second he uh, he played in two games. He looked pretty good. Both those kids averaged about six yards a carry. Um, and those they're both pretty capable. And there's another kind of weird wild card kid. Um, his name's uh, J- Javon Thomas, Javon Thomas. He's like 6'2", 240 pounds. Big fella. And he's a beast. Yeah, so I don't know if he's going to play like an H-back role or if he's just going to be a red zone guy, but he's he's one to look out for. He'll be fun to watch. And it's cool seeing, you know, Tulsa has really gotten rich on some of that homegrown talent. You, know, you got guys, they've got probably two of the best uh, football factories in the state of Oklahoma, right in their backyard at, at Jinx and uh, Union. I'm actually in Oklahoma and covered Jinx and Union for several years. So I'm a little familiar with that. So it's, it's good for them to be able to get that local talent and get those guys. So with, you know, the running, the running game, probably the big question mark uh, for Tulsa, but Coming at from the quarterback angle, you know, it looks like um, they have a couple of different options, which, by the way, I think these guys probably have the two best last names in all of NCAA <laughs> quarterbacking. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you yes. Got Chad President and Luke Skipper. So really right there, they're winning the name game. That's definitely a check in their column. So Chad President and Luke Skipper. So they both played last year. They both got some playing time. Uh, but who should fans expect to be under center, you know, come September? Yep. So president had kind of that knee injury in the last game when he took over for Skipper after his injury. Um, it was just a, li- a part of the long list of injuries. Tulsa had like 16 knee injuries total, I believe. Good but, night. Um, Skipper is the guy. Uh, the thing is, is the president is a better runner. Uh, he's a little bit of a stronger runner, um, which, you know, I think if he was healthy, he'd probably be the starter based on the loss of Brewer and he'd be able to help in that run game. But um, they do bring back a lot at receiver and I think Skipper's got the better arm. He's a little more accurate guy. He's going to be able to divvy it out to those, uh, those guys on the outside. So I'd look for him to start. Both of those guys are probably more on the athletic, um, quarterback side. So does a guy like Davis Brin, he's an early enrollee. Um, does he, does he look to factor into what Tulsa is going to do offensively this year? You know, the exciting answer would be yes, but to be honest, I think he's probably like a 2019 and beyond guy. He's like six, two or six, one, but he's only a buck 85. Um, he's kind of little, I, I don't think that Montgomery is ready to fully transition over to, you know, strictly throwing QB and then just let these two new backs that are relatively inexperienced take the load on the ground. So I, I think he's a good future guy that they're excited about. And obviously him enrolling early was cool, but I think Skipper is uh, Skipper's the guy as long as injuries uh, don't hit him again. Again, I feel like the first two teams we were playing this year, Tulsa and Maryland, both had crazy injury problems last year. So Tulsa kind of struggled last year, not a uh, – 
not a secret if you're if you're paying attention to the Golden Hurricane. They had zero trouble scoring points. Like offense was not the problem. They honestly felt like a Big Twelve team quite some quite often right. last year. Uh, so. Getting getting stops is kind of the big deal for them. They return their two leading defenders this year, but lose kind of that that senior leader uh, in Craig's suit. So, uh, has what has Tulsa done this year this season to kind of shore up the the probably their biggest glaring hole uh, moving into twenty eighteen? Well, last year was brutal. We'll be honest; it was the first year of, it was the first year of a three four transition, um, and they I think they still probably are about sixty percent of the way in transitioning to that right personnel. Um, they added five JUCO players. Um, a couple of them I'm pretty excited about, and I think the coaching staff are pretty excited about. There's two guys. Johans Burnett is an outside linebacker from Navarro JUCO. In okay, Tech. great name. Great name. Absolutely, yeah, Johans. And then uh, Jawan Blankenship I think is really going to be a stud. He's from Independence JUCO in Missouri. He's like 6'2", 275. He, he's going to be a big anchor that will be one of those 3-4 DN spots. So. I look for him to kind of help shore that up. Those are some fantastic names. And, you know, one of the things that, that you mentioned is is those JUCO guys. So are, are, Because they have, what, five JUCO transfers coming in uh, this yep. offseason. So do you think you think those guys are going to be the pieces that really, like, shore up and, and, and give them some, some continuity, I guess, for lack of a better term, on that defensive line? I think defensive line-wise, yeah. Um, they brought in two DNs as well. And the way they have them categorized on 24-7 is, you know, they have strong side DN, weak side DN. Um, so it's a little hard to project. And I think they took uh, Colin Wick is from Blinn College, which is famous for the Cam Newton connection there. But um, he's 6'2", 250. I think he can play on the D-line in the AAC. But um, the other kid, Cade Bauman from Northeastern Oklahoma A&M, he's very light. So I think he's probably more of an outside linebacker type. So um, they're going to hope for a little help from within and then hope for those two guys to kind of step up on the D-line. I will say this: I've uh, I've been a fan of the the Tulsa team for a while because they were always fun on NCAA. I feel like back in the day we could pencil y'all in for you know maybe ten wins or maybe two wins. You never know until like the third the third game of Tulsa's season. So I think you went like eleven and three, three and nine, two and ten, six and seven, or middle of the road. But then it's like ten and three, two and ten. Like that is some volatile like win percentage swinging right there. When you just when you just glance at this schedule and you know you know probably better than most what this roster looks like, but when you look at the schedule, because that's ultimately what determines wins and losses, what's your gut tell you? What is what does a projection look like for this year's Tulsa team? Yeah, I think uh, I think the quarterback situation they just have to get it somewhat figured out, and I think compared to last year, you can't do much worse. Um, and I think <laughs> True. I I think the defense will. I don't think the defense is going to be like top half of the AAC or anything, but I think they're good enough to be a six and six team and then potentially win the bowl game, depending on who they play. So I think that's a realistic goal for Phil Montgomery's fourth year. You know what? I like that. Te- Texas fans are okay with a seven and six with the bowl. And that's, <laughs> that's what we got. This we're, we're, we'll just leave that there. So we're doing this thing with, with all these interviews where we, we do something called uh, overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated about, you know, kind of stereotypes of the, uh, the, the cities and towns that these teams are in. So we've got a couple of things uh, about Tulsa. Now, you're, you're not from Tulsa, but you've done some Tulsa studying. You've done some Tulsa. So we're going to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. So first up, overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated, the sport of noodling. Or noodling. Noodling. I think I think it's underrated. It's something I've never done, but I would love to do it. I think it's badass. <laughs> I love it. I feel like if you're if you're in Tulsa and you uh, you have two capable arms, you have to be a noodler. I just feel like that's uh, that's something I've always heard, and maybe I'm totally off base, but that's one of my stereotypes of uh, of Greater Tulsa. And again, as I said, I'm from Houston. Started my career in the industry. Overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. Oil or Earl, if you prefer. He's trying to say oil. That would be oil. (laughs) 
I'm going to say it's appropriately appropriately rated. You look at that T. Boone Pickens money, it's done pretty well for Oklahoma State. So I'm going to say oil is appropriately rated. That's the thing that a, a, a podcast that uh, features folks from uh, from the University of Texas and Tulsa can can definitely uh, agree on, I think. <laughs> appropriately rated. Okay, so yes. another, another Texas coaching connected. Overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. Former Texas offensive coordinator. Now I think he's at USF with Charlie Strong, Sterling Gilbert. Overrated. He is trash. He is not a good coach. Agreed completely with you. That was a fantastic swindle. You gave us a a straight Oklahoma swindle job on that, and I respect you for it. (laughs) I respect you for it. I respect you more, in fact. Um, Sterling Gilbert trash. You heard it here first. Uh, I don't know if you heard it here first, but you definitely heard it here as well as most other Texas blogs and, and podcasts and institutions the past few years. So the other uh, thing that I instantly kind of think about and when I when I think about Tulsa is uh, your, your your other university there, the, uh, the, the Oral Roberts University, which, again, I've always known for possessing. I love world's largest roadside attractions or world's largest things. Oral Roberts possesses the world's largest set of praying hands overrated underrated or appropriately rated as a must-see tourist destination the world's largest praying hands i think it's a must-see i think if you're in tulsa you got to hit it up (laughs) there's not a lot else going on and so that's one thing you got to see when you're there what where does that rank on tulsa's trip advisor uh listing uh just below torchy's tacos in tulsa that's where it's (laughs) at fantastic tulsa's got this like little arts district that they're trying to do from from all of those. So I think Tulsa's trying to step it up. I, I, uh, I, I'm interested to see how the next few years. I, I'm in Oklahoma, <laughs> if you couldn't pick that up. So, uh, yeah. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for taking some time out to hop on this podcast with you, man. Um, before you go, man, we know you're actually starting up a podcast. So tell our fans a little bit about you know what you're going to be doing on your show. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so a buddy of mine, Alex Gukin, he's also a fellow. He's an Iowa State fan. I told these guys before we went on air, I'm an actual Iowa State fan covering Tulsa. So um, it's going to be just a general college football podcast. We're going to talk a little gambling, a little analytics. Um, we hope to do one or two episodes a week. We'll wrap up kind of the previous week's games and I'll give out my my gambling picks for the uh, coming weekend. So it's called Two Man Under. We'll be coming out with uh, episodes in the next few weeks. So watch for that, guys. Two Man Under. That's a great name, by the way. I'm super upset that you got to it first. That's phenomenal. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on, man. Where can the folks find you on social media? At underscore Tyler Gross. Give me a follow. I'll follow back, guys. Awesome. Thank you again, man. We'll, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care, Tyler. All right, our second of our two previews that we're knocking out this week, USC Week 3 for Texas. So we've got Matthew Lowry, who is the co-host of the Conquest Chronicles podcast. He's also one of the editors for Conquest Chronicles, which is our SB Nation USC site. So, Matthew, thank you so much for taking some time out to join us. You've still got sun in your area, so Kyle and I are just moderately jealous of you. (laughs) Well, it's pretty warm out here, too, so, I mean... I, I, I'm glad that we got some light out still. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pitch black in, in Oklahoma right now, and Kyle's in Kentucky currently, which is just – we're all over the place right now. Uh, so – we're gonna we're gonna preview USC. We're gonna talk uh, a little bit. Uh, Kyle and I are still a little hurt from how last year's game shook out, uh, but it's it's okay. It's that's just kind of the story of the year for us. Uh, so let's just let's just start with the big big question mark. Uh, so USC has to replace one of, if not the biggest name in college football from a year ago, uh, Sam Darnold. So there are kind of three options that I've seen floating around. You've got Fink, you've got Sears, or you've got the young guy, Daniel. So um, have they named a starter yet? And and who should fans expect to see uh, under center, you know, come September? Um, They haven't named the starter yet. So what they've done is during spring practice, when, when spring ball was going on, they everyone assumed that Jack Sears and Matt Fink would be competing against each other, which in terms that they were, but it was more of a learning curve or trying to get the chemistry down with the rest of their, uh, of the ones. And so they were trying to see which one was going to stand out. And honestly, none of them stood out. Um, hmm. Jack Sears and, and Matt Fink had some inconsistencies 
with interceptions and, and accuracy. So, um, but they each started looking better, but still it gave JT Daniels the upper hand before JT Daniels could even get enrolled. Um, they are currently, they're having player ran practices right now. So JT Daniels and all the rest of the uh, incoming freshmen from the 2018 recruiting class are there now and officially enrolled. So, um, right now they haven't, we haven't seen who's been looking what good so far, but I would anticipate JT Daniels being the starter by the time they step on the field on September 1st against UNLV. Oh, wow. That's, that's the, that's what I think. That's what my prediction is. And that's what all signs are pointing, especially how the way Jack Sears, Matt Fink look um during spring wow does that have anything to do with the fact that both matt fink and jack sears sound like uh, characters from a children's mystery crime novel <laughs> something like that but um a lot of what the thing is the knock on jack sears coming in was that he was very inaccurate his accuracy yeah. was not was not that great um matt fink on the other hand as you know matt fink saw some time uh, with the ones, remember when he when USC played against Notre Dame, uh, Sam That's Darnold right. was hurt for a few series, and Matt Fink got in the game, and you saw USC actually move the ball pretty pretty well. Um, the thing with with Fink is he brings that athletic ability with um, with them running the running the RPO, running the the run re, uh, the run pass option, but again. He also looked inact or inconsistent, and honestly, USC's defense is not the greatest in the world. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying they're bad, but how the way Matt Fink and Jack Sears looked, that was pretty concerning. It was pretty okay. concerning for for a lot of people. For coming, you're on a Big Twelve podcast, so offense crushing it in defense not so much we're, we're used to that uh in these parts of the world uh, so usually when there's a quarterback question you try to lean on the running game and that is is kind of a uh, another area that that usc has some rebuilding to do usc is one of those schools though that tends not to rebuild they kind of just reload but you're losing a guy like ronald jones who was just kind of a monster last year uh, so is stephen carr going to be able to come in fill that gap and kind of take a load off of the, the quarterbacks as we try to shake things out well i think what it is with with the running backs, and I know losing Ronald Jones is a is a loss itself because of what he brought. Not only that, but he was breaking tackles left and right, and was giving you mm -hmm. about six point five carries a game. You know, or not carries, but six point five yards on per rush. Um, but I think a lot of people a lot of people don't realize that USC is actually pretty deep yeah. at yeah. running back right now. Um, with losing Ronald Jones, you have Stephen Carr, who you just named, who impressed and wowed a lot of people with his shiftiness and and um and his 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 speed ability. But a lot of people are not very familiar with um a set of, a set Aka Cedric Ware, if I'm saying his name right. That's a tough name. Um, he he's also he's from he's from Texas, but he he. Also, before Stephen Carr got there, he actually got a good amount of carries. He was actually the third running back behind Justin Davis and Ronald Jones in 2016. And then last season, he got a good amount of carries because Ronald Jones was hurt and Stephen Carr was hurt as well. Um, you also have Bevi uh, Malapai. Who also was pretty, who was pretty decent as well. He was pretty impressive as a power back for USC, and was getting a lot of the short yardage uh, situation. He got a lot of carries on short yard situations. But the thing that a lot of people don't realize as well is both of them also packed on a few pounds. So <laughs> okay. they add, and and when I say by that, when we say that they packed on a few pounds, they added it in muscle. So, okay. Not so the not they, the Javorski Lane uh, McDonald's no, workout. No, not the uh, Javorski Lane type, and we all know how he was. But <laughs> but um, no, they added on some muscle, 
and that and you saw Ronald Jones do the same thing last season, and we saw how that turned out. So they the running backs have looked very impressive. Stephen Carr is going to remain to be seen because he's coming off of back surgery. He mm. kind of had minor back surgery that sat him out for the whole spring, but um, those two with Malapai and 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 uh, Ware. Both of them look pretty impressive. And also they have another big back um, coming in as a freshman in uh, Marquis Steep. He he was a uh, he came in in this year's recruiting class and he's pretty big about about six to 235 pounds. Um, I, I think he might see some carries and he's pretty big muscular wise. He's pretty big. He's a big dude. That's that is not small at all. I was actually good. That takes me to kind of my next question. Um, you know, you had, the USC had the fourth ranked recruiting class in the nation, you know, 2018. So do you figure any of these guys are going to help, you know, step in? You mentioned, uh, a steep, are any of these other guys that you came in, you've got, you know, four, four stars or five stars in the class. Who of these guys should, should fans expect to see? Uh, you know, we talked about Daniels, talked about steep, uh, who should fans expect to see outside of those two, maybe? Well, um, I'll give you a name in the wide receivers group, and this is a guy I'm expecting to see start as um, as a receiver and also po- possibly on special teams, but uh, Armand Ross St. Brown. Now, the St. Brown name a lot of people are very familiar with ah. because his brother played at Notre Dame, Equimidious. and he has another brother who played at Stanford. So... He, um, I, I would expect St. Brown to start right away. He brings speed at the receiving position, which that's something USC has a lot of, but he brings speed. He has a uh, chemistry with, J- with JT Daniels. Both of them played at modern day this past okay. season. Um, not only, not only that, but hands wise, he's impressive running routes. Uh, he runs his routes very crisp. He, I, I think he's a guy who's going to end up seeing some good playing time, and he can play some special teams. He can return kickoffs. He can return punts. And USC struggled with kick and punt returns last season. That was the biggest, I would say, special teams with the biggest Achilles heel for USC um, the, the last season. So they have some guys as freshmen who can step in and that can, um, that can give them that impact. Now. That I I'd expect, you know, I, I expect them to start again. I think he's going to start from day one. You never know once these guys get in because there were some receivers who stepped up uh, during spring who, who impressed too. And, um, and Greg, jo- and Greg uh, Johnson and, and um, who else? And Bellis Jones, both of them stepped up this past uh, spring. But I think Armand, Armand Ross St. Brown is going to be your starter come week one. I think moving forward, he's going to be he's going to be starting. Well, and it, it doesn't hurt when your dad is a former Mr. World. And, and like you said, you have brothers playing in, in, in the show. But I will say Texas fans are happy to not see, uh, what is it, uh, Deontay, uh, Deontay Burnett, who had two touchdowns against us last year. So uh, I know you're just replacing fire with more fire, but uh, you know, hopefully, the young guy will take a little learning curve on it for our for our behalf. And it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because a lot of these guys are gonna end up being in a situation where they might have to play early. USC is while they have experience on both sides of the ball, they're replacing some key guys, as you guys say. So they're gonna have to step up. And from a team who just won the Pac-12. I mean, that's a load of pressure. We we say it with JT Daniels all the time because we don't know what we expect. And we talk about this on our podcast, too. We don't know what to expect from, from a 17-year-old quarterback. But he's going to have to step up. If he's a starter, he's going to have to step up. And, you know, a lot of people are looking to him to lead this team back to the Pac-12 championship uh, game or possibly get him in the college football playoffs. So, that's going to be that that's a lot of pressure for these guys but how they handle it it's going to be seen because i mean again some of these guys came are coming off a of state championship wins or undefeated seasons in high school now you're moving into the coliseum at USC where the expectations no are high yeah. no big yeah. deal yeah. Yeah. no big deal awesome so you you kind of mentioned that and 
you know, USC's kind of early season slate is is nothing to sneeze at. You know, uh, week two you've got Stanford, week three you've got Texas. What if, if USC drops one or both of those games? Like, what is the panic level going to be like in in LA? This is USC. So <laughs> when anything goes wrong, when any the slightest thing goes wrong, if Clay Hilton sneezes wrong, people are going to start losing their minds. Um, if USC were to drop both of those games, I think a lot of people, you're going to start hearing a lot of people talk about Clay Helton and his job security because last season, a lot of people questioned, oh, is Clay Helton the right guy? And this is in the middle of an 11 and two season <laughs> going, winning the PAC 12 championship and going to a, to a new year six bowl game. So if if USC was to drop the game to Stanford and Texas, a lot of people are going to start wondering, is Clay Helton the right guy? Is he the right guy? And a lot of people don't realize those are two tough games. You're, co- you're playing Stanford. Now, at Stanford, that's always a big game. That's always a, a tough game. Playing Stanford itself is always a tough game. With Bryce Love coming back, mm-hmm. KJ mm-hmm. Costillo is a, is a year older, and he looked impressive in their last meeting in the Pac-12 title game against USC. He looked pretty impressive. Um, and then you're going into Austin, Texas, where Texas is going to be better. I think Texas is going to be is going to be a better team. They have the skill guys to match with USC, and you're coming off of playing a road game right. at Stanford. Right. Now right. you got to go to Austin, Texas for another big game. And you gotta get up for that game against Texas. And a lot of people don't realize, but they got a short week because then they gotta turn around and go back to Los Angeles and play Washington State on Friday night. Oh, oh. So though though before they even get a good break, which is a, which is traveling to Arizona, which is going <laughs> to be a tough team. So I mean Oh, if USC drops both of those games, you you can you can believe that there's going to be people in Los Angeles that's going to start losing their mind. So I I think that's going to be the biggest those two games. If USC can come away going two and one heading into the Washington State game, I think USC can manage it. But it's going to be tough. No pressure on uh, on hot seat Coach Helton, who's the first to win. Uh... 10 games in his first two seasons for USC, but there were two guys named John McKay and Pete Carroll who each won a title in year three. So, so no pressure, Clay. <laughs> exactly. And not to mention USC is likely going in with a new quarterback. They're going in with a new quarterback, not even likely they're going in with a new right. quarterback. You, and it, it possibly could be a 17 year old freshman as we just, as we talked about. So, I think a lot of people have to realize that it's going to be tough because nobody knows the QB situation. Mm-hmm. I, I think the UNLV game should ease some minds. I mean, who knows? It's a 1 a.m. game, at, or not 1 a.m., but the 1 p.m. game in Los Angeles in September, and it's probably going to be 100-and-something degrees maybe. Mm-hmm. But if if they look good against UNLV, if – if they look really good against UNLV and really impressed, I think that should ease a lot of people's minds heading into Stanford. It's it's uh it's always funny to hear people talk about extreme heat on opening games because that's that's just I love that about college football is the 115 on the turf. Uh, yeah, on right. Thursday. So we've been doing this thing on on these interviews, all these interviews that uh, we call overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. And we didn't give you these questions beforehand, so we're putting you on the spot a little bit. Asking about some uh, some I don't want to say stereotypes because that carries a bat, but just some things that may be in the media about Los Angeles. So we're gonna ask you four quick: overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated, and you respond honestly or as honestly as you can uh so oh, i'm ready for this <laughs> so the first one overrated underrated or appropriately rated in and out burger appropriately rated um a lot of people i'll tell a lot of people this i i'm an in and out guy i love in and out so it's appropriately uh rated it's it's appropriately rated in your mind as the best fast food burger I think it is honestly. Now I never had Whataburger, so okay. that that's me without having Whataburger. <laughs> I got to try Whataburger first before 
I I venture into that extreme. Yeah. But I will say it's better than Five Guys. It's it's cheaper than Five Guys. I'll say okay. that much. I'll give you that. That's that's a West Coast East Coast right there. Now are you are you like the animal style with the sauce all over it? Like what's what's I'm, your I'm a double-double guy, double-double with animal-style fries. Okay. I, I, I got to do the double-double, two double-doubles with animal-style fries. All right. Well, I, I like that. I, uh, I'm i a Whataburger guy, but I, I don't mind In-N-Out. It's, 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 you know, it's grown on me a bit. The hype was real, but it's it's pretty good. I'll give it that. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you later about my – I did a, a burger bracket once, and, uh, and In-N-Out was one of, the, one of the three or four that we tried back-to-back, and it, it fared very well, better than I thought it would, actually. So um, the next one is the uh, near and dear to Gerald and my heart. Um, we used to, I think, think we were some member of, of this show back in the day, each of us. Um, but uh, the, the hit HBO series Entourage. Hmm. I will say overrated. I I'm not the biggest Entourage fan. Okay. Um. So I I have to say I've I've tried it. I tried to get into it. I tried to get into the series. I just couldn't. I, I it, it it's it's overrated to me. There's there's two there's two caveats that go with this. Is you know obviously you watch for for Jeremy Piven's Ari, but you really need to watch for Sloane, um, who who, um. She comes later in the seasons and, and is still one of the most beautiful humans that's ever graced the uh, graced the screen. After my girlfriend, of course. Uh, moving moving on quickly, quickly before any of us uh, get in trouble. Uh, overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated the Hollywood Letters. Oh my God, that's overrated. Agree. Um, I I say this because a lot of people say I want to see the Hollywood sign. Now where I live where I live, if you go to a certain point or if you go to a certain point of the city, you can see it right there. Right. Um, it's, it, I grew, I've grown up seeing it almost every day of my life. It's nothing special. Spectacular. It doesn't awe you. Okay. It, it really okay. don't awe me. It's just a, it's just a sign. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say this. I went out, um, not for the Texas USC Rose Bowl, but against Alabama, sadly, uh, when we didn't win there in the road in the national championship game. But uh, I, you know, that was my first time actually in LA proper, and I was wowed by a lot of the city. But the most underwhelming to me was was the Hollywood sign. Yeah, it's just there, and it just says Hollywood. <laughs> uh, it, it does make a funny storyline on BoJack Horseman, though. Um, <laughs> uh, the final one we'll let you out of here um, overrated underrated or appropriately rated uh, funny man Will Ferrell I would say appropriately rated and not because he went to USC not, not <laughs> just because he went to USC but a lot of his movies I love he, he's pretty funny um, I went I, I got to see him in person actually for one of the game days that they uh that when they came out to LA and he was doing the guest picking and everything. So he, he's a pretty funny guy. I know Uh, a lot of people go, what, how is he funny? You got to really look into it to find the humor in it. So yeah, it it was funny because I was just watching semi-pro earlier. I was watching semi-pro earlier in the day. Fantastic. Semi-pro is, is probably his most underrated film. Underrated. It is. Absolutely. It is. Like tropics. it really is. No, I I think Will Ferrell is ridiculously funny. If you watch his SNL highlight DVD, it might be blasphemy to say this, but that might be the best. The the stuff he's doing with like the Rose Bowl parade is is just high comedy. I absolutely love it. And yeah, we we could we could go on and on about Will Ferrell. Uh, so Matthew, thank you so much for coming on. Man, where can where can the good folks find you uh, on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt A. Lowry. Um, usually I'm on there. I'm on there spreading USC news, whether it's football or basketball. I'm I'm sharing news one way or another with uh, USC athletics. So you can find me on there. Awesome. Matthew, thank you so much for taking some time out. Uh, man, we really appreciate you coming on. And go enjoy some more of that sunlight, man. Oh, thank you. Well, it's about – it's pretty much gone now but i'm gonna try to enjoy as much of it that's there awesome thank you again man thank you take care 
so quickly, we had such great stuff in those interviews, but we are a bit long today. So really quickly, uh, Texas had five players drafted in the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, Cody Clemens, we talked about him quite a bit at the top of the show, but he was selected uh, first pick of the third round, like Kyle uh, mentioned. He's a Golden Spikes finalist, but uh, so he was drafted by the Detroit Tigers. Again, first pick of the third round, 79th overall. The next day, uh, third day of the draft, Texas had uh, four. Four more players drafted, uh, right-handed pitcher Nolan Kingham, right-handed pitcher uh, Chase Sugart, I always stumble on his name, Josh Sawyer and infielder Andy McGuire were all selected uh, 12th, 12th, 16th, and 28th rounds, respectively. Uh, Kyle, do you expect to see any of these guys back next year? We know Clemens is gone, but what about the the four lower selections? Do you expect them back next year? I mean... Honestly, I don't really see any of these guys leaving based on those picks. Um, if if Kingham or Sugart really sees, I mean, they got drafted into good organizations. They're in the Braves and Red Sox clubs. Um, I see each of them having the chance to kind of up their stock next year. Uh, Sawyer's a lefty and really the only effective lefty on the staff this year. Uh, going the 16th round, I see Coach Pierce really talking to him and saying he's got some... Um, you know, heavy minutes in the rotation for him that could push him even further. Um, McGuire, I, I, I don't really, you know, I don't really think so. Um, you know, he's a he's a redshirt junior, so maybe I don't know if he's graduated yet, but uh, you know, he's uh, he's a, he's a guy who I think could do better. I really think all of them could do a little better. And if I'm being honest, like I said earlier, I think Cody Clemens. If he wants to come back one more year, wishing on a pipe dream, the guy could be a first round pick. Yeah, I mean, you've got a guy. You've got you know, Kingham had a decent year. You know, eight and eight and four, uh, four ten ERA. I think if he comes back and cleans up some of those inconsistencies, yeah, I think he could probably see his stock rise. I mean, out of the out of the sixteenth or the twelfth round, excuse me. Same thing goes for for Sugar. I mean, he he again, my preferred pitcher. It's okay. We can we can all have differences of opinions, but you know, again, four three six ERA. I think if they can, you know, shave a couple of points off of that, they're obviously you know hard to hard to get down to the twos or something like that. But you know, being able to to pull in a a, uh, a mid to low three ERA and really show scouts, you know, even maybe do some of those. Uh, tours that you can go around and, and show off for scouts and play. Uh, I would love to see all those guys come back and improve their stock because the higher they go, the better it looks for Texas. Well, and, and I mean, Kingdom of Preseason All-American and Sugar, if they redrafted again today, probably goes at least a round higher just to, just on how he looked in that Super Regional and how he's kind of coming up in the clutch. So um, to me, that says these guys come back. Um, McGuire, another one who's becoming a cult hero. Why not just come finish it out, man? I, I would be okay with it. Speaking of cult heroes, I don't know if cult heroes is the way to go about this, uh, but former uh, Texas Longhorn, lifetime Longhorn, Kevin Durant uh, and the Golden State Warriors swept the Cleveland Cavaliers. Kevin Durant got his second consecutive finals MVP. Um, I I don't have a ton to say about this, Kyle, just being completely honest. I don't know if I've made my feelings known about the Golden State Warriors, but, uh, man, you got anything to add there? Um, well... I apologize to the state of Oklahoma on behalf of Kevin Durant not winning any of those MVPs or, or titles there. But, uh, I mean, I know there's a lot of hate. I know Kevin Durant has kind of had some things where he just seems a little pettier than I would like and whatever. But at the end of the day, the Slim Reaper, a Longhorn legend, a guy who's given back to the school, who who is truly one of the greatest players. I mean, I had a hot fire in my uh, my church group chat, group me, where I, I, I ranked the top 30 that really got the uh, – Got almost blew up my phone, but uh, Kevin Durant's in that for me. Um, I mean, he's uh, he's an all-time great NBA player right now, one of the best scorers that's ever played the game, and as he continues to develop his defense and has truly the opportunity to have teammates to to kind of buoy buoy him up and let him do the stuff he um, can be really good at. He has a chance to finish really high up there, so I think you just gotta you gotta pull for the Longhorn always because you know 
why not have a guy go down as one of the tops in the books be associated with your school? Yeah, I mean, I as as a ambassador for the university, I've got nothing bad to say about Kevin Durant. I think he does amazing things for the university. Um, his connection with that basketball program still is massive. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions of college athletics, period. One of our favorite traditions on the 40 Acres, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So I'm going to bang the drum on some more basketball and some more people uh, doing the uh, doing the Lord's work. Um, going on right now is a is an international tournament, um, the FIBA U18 Americas, which um, it's probably something you've all had on your calendar for months. But uh, if you if you did happen to miss that, uh, there was some Texas uh, tie-in here, incoming Texas freshman Kameka Hepa, um, which I will love saying over the next uh, next 12 months and then some hopefully. Um, didn't get a ton of playing time in the first game, their opening game uh, against the Dominican Republic, which the USA, Team USA won 105-73, to but in eight minutes, and that's just, again, because Coach Bill Self is, is a jerk, um, he showed out well with two points and five rebounds. But what I really... <clears throat> wanted to focus on was the next game, um, which which actually happened tonight as, as a recording. Um, in this game, they played Panama, and I'll pause here and I'll say something nice about Panama. Um, Gerald, when, when you rank your, your favorite canals, where you got Panama? Top? Uh, pretty high up there. Okay. Yeah, sure. When you, when you name your um, favorite Van Halen songs, where you got, where you got Panama? Uh, a top three for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm a person, I love Hot for Teacher, but I think Unchained is my favorite. I'm going to put Panama two or three. I got you. Um, so, you know, th- there are good things associated with, with Panama. Um, what I don't love about Panama is that they are about to be playing in, in the World Cup in soccer, which I'm an avid soccer fan. Still heartbroken. Uh, I will never visit the country of neither Trinidad nor Tobago, but that's that's another podcast for another day. But this is our first chance to seek on a global stage retribution. Uh, I should say a sports global stage. I, I don't want uh, any any wars started here over this podcast, but uh, to seek retribution. Um, the, the the team USA U eighteens. Again, including our, our dear Kameka Hepa, who had a, had a good good night in 18 minutes, had four points um, and 11 rebounds. The guy seems to be uh, a vacuum out there, which we can talk later about the uh, about the specifics. But um, they ended the uh, <clears throat> the first quarter um, with a with a pretty good pretty good point differential. Um, Team USA was up 43, which is a lot of points in the first quarter to. Uh, <clears throat> zero that would be 43 skunk that would be you you got stuck in the lobby of your online game and dudes are just dunking on your players who are standing at center court your your younger brother came in and broke your controller and you're screaming at him in the background in your headphones on xbox live I, 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 four, 43 to zero feels good uh panama you you get what you deserve, and I'm glad that our, our very own Kameka Hepa could be a part of that. I think at halftime it was something like 72 to, to 8, something like that, a bit more respectable. Um, and then the, the this is the time to use it. The molly whopping um, ultimately ended work. Uh, 118 to, to 26. That's, uh, that's, that's 92 points, good, good, good friends. Um, that's, that's a... Uh, that's a beatdown, and uh, and again, I, I just like to say, hook 'em, hook 'em, USA. Thanks for thanks for having our boys back. Uh, apologies to any listeners that we have in Panama. I had to check; we don't have any in Panama. We've got a couple in uh, in El Salvador. So big ups to our two listeners in El Salvador. Uh, so my uh, my bang the drum this week is on an, on another uh, thing that you've had on your calendar for years: the Curtis Cup. So if you don't know what the Curtis Cup is, I didn't before I before I found out about it today. Uh, it is essentially the amateur women's golf version of the Ryder Cup. So the United States fields a team and Great Britain and Ireland field a team. And it's kind of a match play situation. So uh, the USA women 
dominated uh, Great Britain and Ireland 17-3 to in this match play competition. And here's the Texas tie. Uh, friend of the show, podcast favorite, Sophia Schubert, uh, won her Saturday doubles and her Sunday singles, um, scored a two and a half of the United States 17, th- uh, 17 points in that competition, uh, which is a pretty big deal, you know, being on an international stage, uh, continuing to play golf throughout um the year she actually was the first player to tee off for the United States and it's just cool again to see Texas players Texas athletes in any sport uh on the world stage because you know she was a uh, first team all-american was all big 12 uh you know tied uh for 21st at the NCAA championships which is which is no uh no small feat. She put up a career best to do that. Uh, so she just is a phenomenal representative of the university again. And she, uh, she continues to do that on the international stage on the links. Some are saying the, the 70, 17 to three win over great Britain and Ireland is, is the U S strongest showing since 1776. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about all that. Um, the United States is, I think, twenty nine and eight in that competition. So um, it may not be uh, may not be as uh, as epic as you are, you're trying to sell it as. But I appreciate you trying to make mine as epic as yours was. Uh, but that's all we've got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. In uh, Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on uh, on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. Um, you can find me, uh, you know, in just any any local. Uh, burger place, you know, taking recommendations. We had the In-N-Out talk, had the Whataburger talk. Um, you know, it's uh, just any any burger joint, none in particular stand out. You can find me on Twitter at GHGooders. Follow the show on Twitter. Thanks again to Tyler and Matthew for coming on and joining us today. Uh, if you like what we do, again, leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Share this with your friends, your coworkers, anybody that you know is into Texas Longhorn Athletics. You can interact with us on the internet. You can tweet at us at LonghornPod or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week, and until next time, hook em. Hook em baseball. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.